Hello and welcome to the 10 out of 10 podcast, an AJ on the line series where we discover what it takes to be a champion. We arrive halfway through the series and I'm really excited to introduce you to my next guest. This is a guy that doesn't just play golf, he lives it. Connor Thomas is a local golf pro and a really good friend of mine. And I love speaking to him about all things competition. He is constantly hunting for an edge and probably analysing the Masters today to make his game better. CT had some gems when speaking to me earlier this year, and I hope that you enjoy our conversation. Connor Thomas, how are you doing today? Absolutely fan dozy I like to hear that. And it's great to have you here. I know that you're a busy man, so let's just get straight into it with what I should hope is a good discussion. We're talking about attention to detail. Why don't you just give the audience a little bit of an example of, of where that's important to you and what, what you do in your everyday life that, that demands that, that accuracy for success? It's major. So attention to detail, especially in what I do, so golf it can be the be all and end all let's be honest you know preparing for tournaments all these little little details yeah i mean for me because it's i like i like to be detailed i like the data i like all these little things but even those that aren't so you know into it you know their coaches or or whoever their trainers will be getting get them doing the you know attention to detail looking at you know the stats and the data and what it's saying and what they got to do to improve um, it doesn't matter if you're into it or not, that everybody's doing it because, well, everybody's doing it. So if you don't do it, then you're going to be left behind. That's it, especially in this modern world where it's ever-changing technology and things are getting better uh, in terms of tracking that data. It is very much about looking around you for every single advantage, and, and that, that can be from your personal life to on the course or the court or wherever you may be. Um, but it could be in the training as well and, and, and the data, like you say, it is a fascinating area and almost endless and that's the point, isn't it? Endless, endless opportunities to improve. And you, you look at that throughout your own life. I, I know I've had conversations with you in the past and and you love your data. Just why don't why don't we just talk a little bit about what, what you do? Um, I know that you're very focused on making sure that you're eating the right amount and sleeping the right amount and and that that really adds up once you step out into a competition right oh yeah i mean i do it because it's good to do obviously you know you know get the right sleep eat the right stuff but i just think it's fascinating looking at all the data and all the what's good what's bad what's harming your body what what isn't um and also experimenting you know you can one day do the complete opposite um, what you consume and how much you sleep and then see how you perform and then the next next day or whatever do it again next week do the opposite you know um, consume the right stuff get good sleep and just see how your performance differs and I bet it does make a difference doesn't it I, I know it's very small things but these small things add up right yeah I mean and then looking at nutrition is massive so you know with all the small things adding up something as big as nutrition well that's going to have a, a drastic effect i mean when i go when i do a bit of running you know it's it's nice to go for a nice early early morning run in the morning but obviously i won't i won't have any food beforehand um and then to see your difference 
in pace and time compared to, I don't know, five o'clock after you've had breakfast and lunch and your body's, you know, loose and fluid. Oh, the difference is ridiculous. I told you that he looks for the little things to make the big differences. It's like what we saw with Nico Rosberg in the blog post for this week. Next, Connor elaborates a little more on how his scientific approach makes him comfortable, giving him an advantage when it comes to the big moments. I know, I know that at the beginning of lockdown you did start running and that's something that I really enjoy and, and looking at all of the different bits. You mentioned nutrition, of course. I know, I know that you look at the uh, difference in height as you're going on the runs and, and looking to understand the different ways that you, you pace yourself throughout that run. You, you got up to 10k and, and I know that you're looking at potentially a half marathon. So you've really made gains and I can see that, especially with the time that you are, are, are posting nowadays. I just wondered, going back to what you were saying about your interest in looking at the data and performance, that comes from your competitive spirit, I'd imagine. Would, would you say so? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because look at any part of the equipment in your bag or what you're using. I want to be using the best for, for me. So when I'm using that, I know it's the best for me. I know, you know, it's, then it's all down to you. It's not, you know, if you hit bad shot or whatever, it's not down to the equipment. It's down to you. So, you know, spend the time to you know get fitted and you know find the right ball and whatever and all this and that it's, it's things as silly as your shoes and stuff get all get all that stuff tailor made to you and then when it comes to the the big time then you 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 sort it you know what i mean it's all there equipment's done you put the time in and effort to practice and tailor made it to your ability and then you go and you go and do it I've heard the saying that to be able to understand yourself gives you a superpower. The thing to remember is everyone's different, so one one person's way of winning is not going to work for someone else. We we can certainly learn from other people's ways, but it's essential to understand ourselves. And that 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 gives you the advantage, the the edge when it comes to those high pressure moments because you're you're in a comfortable environment where you can just do what you enjoy and do it well. Yeah, it's all about being comfortable. If you're comfortable with what you're using and what you're doing, then you're going to perform, aren't you? You're going to deliver. There's no golf ball that is the same, right? So every ball does a different thing, has different feels, you know, flies different, different trajectories and all this and that. Spins differently. So when you, when you know what your ball does and you know what you can do to make it do what it needs to do, then you're comfortable. If you're not, that prepared and you you know you're picking a ball out that you've never even seen before then well, what, what's going to happen here how's it going to feel how's it going to fly is it going to stop it's that element of unknown that you don't want right the unknown is the worst thing possible i mean it's scary it's just uncomfortable and scary and then you can't commit and it's a big c if you don't have the big c if you can't commit then you're not going to bring on the bacon, are you? Let's be honest. It's a fascinating point because if, if you're going into a competition not particularly sure of the conditions and, 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 and the equipment that you're using, you're, you're right, you're not able to play your best because you're, you're thinking too much about the equipment and, and the, the external factors rather than playing the game that you know that you can play. I remember hearing an interview with Rory McIlroy and he was saying that 
he was leading a major and then he got all tight and, and, and wasn't thinking straight um, and he was going silent between each of his shots and not, not really speaking to his team. And then in, in looking back and learning from that failure, which is an essential part of this attention to detail, I think failure is something that is so important um, with us moving forward and, and, and champions being champions. In, in learning from that, that failure, Rory McIlroy decided that he was going to have a nice, relaxed conversation with his caddy, maybe talk about the football or something like that, and that would put him in that environment. He would be centred, if you will. As a result, he was able to perform, and, and he won his first major a, a month or so later. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, obviously learning from your mistakes and, you know, learning from failure. Um, it's really interesting, actually, because the amount of players... Um, that go off the rails when they have a new equipment sponsor. So um, McIlroy is one of them. So he was with um, he was with Titleist for for years, and obviously he was like top of the world, you know, winning majors. And then Nike approached him and offered him, you know, X amount of millions, you know, to use Nike clubs and wear Nike apparel, um, which he obviously. He took with open arms. You'd be silly not to, even even well-paid golfers like that. That's where they make the, their bucks, isn't it? The sponsorships. Well, I don't know because when you see the knock-on effects, then the, the following year in 2013, he was he wasn't anywhere. He was missing cuts, not in contention, because he's you know he's he's gone from a full bag of this to a new bag of that which is completely different ball different irons drivers wedges everything's completely different and he he, got, he has to take time to adjust he can't just it's not as easy as one week using that and the next week going to that because these boards are so good um they feel every minute detail um you know just wasn't comfortable with the equipment so that as a as a result of that he you know he lost a, at least a season of his career just not competing and it's happened with loads of players it's interesting that different golfers play with different brand of, of, of ball and equipment um, of course equipment can be different but if, if you're playing a tennis match you're using the same ball and it's the same with football for example in Formula 1 they all use the same tyres so I find it interesting how they can notice that difference in the ball even though i'm assuming they're all the same size and shape and and they've got the same amount of dimples well they'll all they'll all be the same size and shape that's about it um they'll have they'll have different um well depending on different ones well they'll have different core sizes different thickness in the cover uh different dimple patterns to produce different kind of flights like low low flights and you know higher launches um yeah, different fitness of skins for maybe more spin or less spin. Um, but, you know, they, they have the, the golf ball tailored to their, their swing and their characteristics. So, you know, if you have a player who hits a really high, you know, hits it high naturally, they're going to probably use a ball that's designed to, to launch lower. So they can get like, I don't know, like a mi kind of a mid trajectory. Um, some people like a soft feeling ball, some like a firmer one. Um, some want more spin around the green, some don't, some get it from their technique. So it's all, you know, it's all, 
you know, relative to the individual. But yeah, it is interesting how um, everybody um, doesn't use the same equipment. This day and age, um, every brand, everybody's so good, and they all provide, um, you know, an equivalent, a ball that's the equivalent of each other. Um, you know, drivers, you know, everything, you know, every brand will have their equivalent of every other brand. So I think even if everybody uses the same equipment, the same ball the uh, the talent will still be as good um it takes some people to get used to different you know feels and looks and stuff um but there's obviously no thing is if you compare all the top brands against each other um there's no outstanding difference in performance that will make it unfair and have an unfair advantage um you know so there is that um, but it's just more down to preference, looks, and that sort of thing. And that's that's something that I talk about in a later week on adaptability and how that makes a champion. But um, it is interesting how that is something that, that, that comes up in golf. I, I want to ask you, just out of interest, in golf, I'd imagine there are regulations, so brands can't change clubs too dramatically and and the balls and things like that has there ever been a moment or or if there hasn't what would be the reaction to a moment if a brand comes out with a cutting edge technology that no one's ever thought of but that those that have it know that it's it's giving them the advantage it's legal but the competitors are quite unhappy at that advantage being had by such innovation from from the brand. I know that happens quite frequently in Formula One, but I wondered if that happens in golf as well. Oh yeah, so there is uh, rules and regulations, and every brand has to build and design their equipment to specifications. Um, you know, things like um, you know, there's a maximum limit on the size drivers can be. Um, obviously the maximum limit and weight balls can be and how fast they can come off the face they can't come off um, the face at a certain speed um, otherwise they're illegal um, same with same with the fit like the faces um, so in the past there has been illegal um, equipment um, but I think I think this was like there were, it wasn't as tight the the rules weren't as tight so a lot of these brands uh, made they didn't do it intentionally to like I don't know. They did it intentionally, obviously, but they didn't do it intentionally to be illegal. And then they were finding the the gains that were possible. Yeah. Within the rules. Exactly. And then then they obviously the 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 top the top boys were using this stuff and it was going ridiculous distances. And then you know the um you know the RNA the governing body tested it and thought oh geez this stuff's coming out a bit hot. So then they put like a regulation on. Um, it's called a well you got like a coefficient of restitution so it's 0.83 so nothing you can't have a driver as a COR or bore COR more than 0.83 um, but talking about innovation every brand has it literally innovates every year there's literally there's a new there's a, there's a new piece of kit that comes out every year and every brand Obviously, has their own R and D guys, and um, they all have their own like niche um, innovations and stuff. Um, every brand you can, if you line them all up, you could tap which one is their like bit of innovation. 
Um, but it's very much this this day and age. It's really it's, it's minuscule. Like, but even though we're saying okay, all these little gains, they're little gains every year. But for someone who's using maybe a bit of kit that's five years old, um, because there's, a, there's minute gains every year. Come now, they'll probably see a decent decent gain or decent improvement. Um, but yeah, innovation's massive. Of late, the only thing, um, I think the, the Open, they do like random testing. So when all the players rock up uh, during their practice rounds and stuff for the Open, and they'll have like guys going around just picking at random drivers and stuff to test. COR test and CT test. Um, and last year at the Open, one of the Americans, Alexander Shoffley, um, his driver uh, came out as illegal. Um he had no clue. Um, they came to the conclusion that because these guys travel week in, week out, um, you know, from tournament to tournament, um, the temp the change in temperature is so extreme. So especially when they're playing in the States and like in Florida or Texas, when it could be whatever in the day, you know, especially in the summer, you know, thirties, forties, and then when they travel um put their clubs in the cargo or whatever. You know, it's it's like almost below freezing on the plane and stuff. So to have that extreme change in temperature, they reckon, you know, changed the properties of the metal on the faces and stuff uh, and made it made it stronger. So um, as a result of that, it was it became thinner, but stronger. So therefore, it was like more like a trampoline effect. And um, so more like speed coming off the face. So um, but obviously that is completely out of the player's hand. That is just like. Uh, a natural occurrence um so that's the only thing that's really happened of late but i'd, I'd imagine i'd imagine without the technology to work out what had gone on there say 15 20 years ago he he would have just been called a cheat and that that would have been the end of the story so yeah that would have been it it's a good thing he would yeah. have been hung high and dry and that was it probably could have finished his career he might have thought i'll pack this thing because everybody's thinking i'm a cheat uh, but obviously now they dig, dig into it and look into it and found out and yeah, everything's all rosy. The big C from the one and only CT. He has a point. You can only commit properly if you are committed to the preparation. I also found that, I also found that story about Shoftley's golf clubs quite fascinating. We then talked about the two champions that we chose to talk about this week. Nico Rosberg and in fact, I'll leave CT to tell you who he picked. Rosberg retired just a matter of days after winning the championship because he'd achieved all he wanted to achieve. He, he'd proved to himself that he could be world champion. But ultimately, it, it seemed that he couldn't handle that kind of champion's lifestyle of constantly innovating yourself and, and, and looking for that advantage because it was meaning that he didn't have a balance in his life. It, it was meaning that he was missing the, the growing up of his child and, and not seeing his wife and uh, as much as he could have done. Um, and it just meant that he wasn't as happy. Um, and you see him now years after his retirement and he is as happy as can be because he managed to be world champion. But what, what that really shows rather than taking anything away from him because he managed to take on Lewis Hamilton, who this year could become the equal best uh, Formula One driver of all time, matching Schumacher on championships. And, and, and don't forget, Rosberg was teammates with both Schumacher and Hamilton. And 
has managed to beat both of them at some point in his career, so that shows a lot. But it also shows that those champions that keep coming back and continuing to redefine themselves, um, there's is something special and it's something remarkable that's going on there because to do it once, as, as Nico's story shows, is, is very tough. So to do it again and again, that is a whole nother level and that is a nice segue to, to bring in uh, the person that you, you brought forward as someone that you feel shows that defines um, the attention to detail. Uh, do you want to have a little bit of a chat about who this is and why uh, they've continued to come back having redefined themselves again and again and, and looking for that advantage? The GOAT, Tiger Woods. So if we if we step away and talk about um, little details, so Tiger is um, on a different ballpark compared to everybody else when it comes to attention to detail, and he he would go as far as to so obviously you'd have a team, everybody's got the teams, you know, psychologists, nutritionists, whatever, but he would also have a team that uh, just focused on his equipment, so his golf, his you know, his clubs, um, you know, so only him and another guy would ever like deal with his clubs you know in terms of constructing them putting them together putting the components together uh, testing stuff you know he only trusted certain people um, to deal with that stuff because it is the tools of your trade um, although he stuck with like the same kind of makeup set makeup for decades um, it would always be perfect and it would always be you know whenever you know, with wedges, for example, whenever he could feel, and again, feel this, to, to be able to feel the spin on a ball from like a 50-yard, 80-yard pitch shot, he could tell when he hit balls if there was less spin on the, on the ball because his wedges were, the grooves weren't so sharp. So as soon as he felt that, he'd be like, okay, fresh grooves, new wedges, you know, go through new wedges every like three weeks. Um, but they're that good. He can actually feel when he's hitting these 80-yard shots that the ball's got less spin. Obviously, you can see it, but to actually feel it, I mean, that's just different gravy. The detail is unbelievable. But he's a creature of habit, so, like, it's interesting. Um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, this is when, like, bigger heads were, you know, become the norm. Newer, new materials were being used, so like titanium and carbon were being used to make heads lighter, so lighter, make it faster, less drag, uh, so more more swing speed. And but while all the big boys uh, at the time were ch you know making the change and going to you know all these different you know new technologies, Tiger was sticking with what he knew, using stuff that was like four or five years old. Shafts as well, graphite shafts were you know quite big in the 2000s but he was still everything was steel and um, he loved the feel and he just trusted it just the trust um, so it's interesting that he he did what he wanted to do he did his thing and it doesn't matter what everybody else did you know put that aside he did his own thing he wasn't worried about what they were doing that's interesting because we we started this conversation talking about how technology is constantly moving forward and is something that you should be wary about being left behind um, and, and not improving your game and your technology with that. But at the same time, we also talked about how the key was to, to make sure that you created the environment 
where you were comfortable to to play your best game and and that's seemingly what tiger was doing there yeah it's uh it's finding a balance isn't it and then it did obviously it came to a point when because it was changing so much you know msrt had to give in and add some of the new kit which he did but you know again trying it getting comfortable and then he was comfortable with it and still continued to be the best tiger was like the first kind of player to go all gym not all gym but you know fitness fanatics are like doing runs every day two gym sessions a day hitting balls playing you name it um, and obviously his body went through so much stress and strain hence all the injuries i haven't got enough fingers to because there's that many and obviously because of that having all these injuries stopped him from moving in certain positions and so obviously he had to you know reinvent and change his swing countless times um, would go to different you know coaches to get their you know their thoughts and feelings of what's the best way to to do it around his injuries so was he the first player that was finding that that was an advantage in his as well as physically i would imagine that mentally gives him the edge too because he has pushed those barriers of going running and going to the gym yeah well gary player was kind of the first i mean in like the 60s and 70s he was into his fitness and stuff but he didn't influence the rest of the uh, competitors and the all the all the top guys today watched Tiger when they were younger in his prime, like 99, 2001, and obviously that's what he was doing then. He was gymming it. He was, you know, weights running. Um, so he has influenced the modern golfer. Like I said, now you will be left behind if you do not, you know, work out, uh, don't have a proper fitness. It's interesting how those that are playing against Tiger now, they were looking at him. It's a, it's a classic case of your idol becomes your rival. Do you think that now gives the, the next generation an edge on Tiger because they've learned from him? Uh, they've learned from his mistakes, perhaps, as well. Uh, but then they're also, they, they've got the, the advantage of youth. Of course, there's going to be Tiger's advantage of experience and his innate talent so do you think that these guys coming out now is an evolution and they're they're always going to be better or do you think that tiger had something special and because he started something uh no one can quite replicate uh the way that he played the game he has something that others don't he um he's definitely different yes you know, there's people out there that I could you know obviously no question but even when you compare stats it's just no there's just no competition there's you know it's ridiculous um, and that just shows you because it's really interesting for people like me as well i never saw tiger in his prime because obviously i wasn't i you know i wasn't i was too young you're the next generation you know what i mean so it's really it's really it's fun for me to see tiger playing some of his best golf against um the youth of today tiger redefined the sport and showed the world that to be the best, you have to leave no stone unturned, and then search for even more rocks in the following season. I guess it's similar to the puzzle piece analogy that Harris and I talked about in episode 1. Time for something interesting about the t-shirt that Tiger Woods wears. I, re I remember a story, I just want, want to talk about it quickly, that you, you told me about Tiger, about how he would uh, do something differently on a Sunday. Uh, just talk about that and what that means in terms of the mentality coming into the final day of, of the tournament. Tiger, every Sunday, 
So obviously golf tournaments are four days long. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there was a cut. So Thursday, Friday, you have a cut and then a Saturday, Sunday. So for every final round Tiger has ever played, he has always wore red. So red shirt or red jumper, anyway, that middle part is always red. And he wears red because his mother and his mum said that red is the colour of power, strength and, you know, having that been told him from his mother, you know, his inspiration. He's done that ever since. And so having that little bit of, you know, meaning, you know, meaning of what, you, what you're wearing and what you're doing uh, can, uh, you know, make the difference. And it's uh, it's interesting. And, and do you think that that is something that, that you use in your game, the mental side of things? For me, and, you know, I presume everybody, you know, competition is different. It's, it's you know, it's important. It's what you work for. So because it's different, I therefore think it needs, you know, different treatment. So like you were saying, you know, talking about Tiger does, I will therefore, I will there have shirts and hats and things that are just for competition. So when I wear them, it's, I know what's, you know, this is, this is it. This is you know, tournament, this means something, this is important. And rather than wearing, um, you know, the stuff you'd wear, you know, when you're practicing or whatever, I like that because it, it makes you put you in a different mindset. I mean, it depends on your perspective, but for me, it's massive. So so you, you place more pressure on your shoulders to remind yourself that, that this is a time when you perform under pressure as a result. Is, is that what you're saying? I guess you could say that. Um, yeah, definitely. I love it. So, you know, all these little things that, you know, like I said, all these little things you put together make a difference. Do you have any uh, kind of superstitions? I, I know that, for example, you, you might, is it you have a new ball each time that you, you step up to a tee in the competition? Yeah, it, first, always the first tee for a competition is a brand new ball. That, that is the first time it's ever been hit. That's a bit of a cycle, you know, bit of a superstition. A lot of people, it's really interesting, especially maybe amateurs from where I work and stuff. Um, they'll they'll peg up this this horrendous ball that's like scuffed and whatever. And I, I, I say, okay, well, why are you why are you using that? You know, especially for competition. They go, oh, I don't want to use lose a, a brand new ball on the first. You know, what kind of mindset's that? They're thinking about, you know, losing the ball already. You know, haven't even teed off yet. I love that line. He's spot on with that mentality too. Attention to detail gives you the faith that we spoke about with Ben. CT talks a bit more on his preparation and sports psychology. Preparation, all these little things put together. I said it doesn't matter how small they are, um, they add up. And if they add up, if they add up, up here... If between the two ears they add up up there, that's where it makes a difference. Doesn't matter what you do, it, it can be something silly, but you know it could be something as as silly as the night before the tournament, you know, watching watching some like you know top tens or some some shot completions, you know, to get you in the you know in the zone or like motivated, feeling good. Do you ever? visualize exactly how you're going to play a shot before you step up to play it when you're playing your best and you're in the zone absolutely picture the shot where you want it to start where you want it to finish the shape um, and also it paints that positive you know picture in your mind of what you want to do rather than what you don't want to do and again 
nowadays when you watch the golf they have something called a pro tracer um so when they hit the shot there's a there's a great bit of tech that follows the ball flight so you can see what the shot they've played on on the telly it's really good and uh, it might have been a psychologist or uh, a pro but he said watch compilations of that on youtube find pro tracer compilations you know so you can get that good visualization of the shot shape do that before you go to bed before the night before and then when you step up on the day you know you can you can just carbon copy those pro tracers like i don't play golf but i have gone to see you play my first instinct when i i'm looking at the way you play first of all it's incredible you you wear a watch when you're playing right oh yeah yeah i wear a watch now i i'm really interested with that because i know it's only a small detail and it makes you feel comfortable is the way that you do it but does that help at all by adding that extra bit of weight to your hand or 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 do you think that it could be improved by you not having the watch there i do wear a certain one for golf because it's lightweight and um you know you can't can't really fit hardly feel it's on um i wouldn't wear you know you know heavy ones or big ones because it's just uncomfortable um but it's more a comfort thing i'm very lost without not having a watch on even though it doesn't matter you know it doesn't really matter what the time is when i'm out there i like i just like to know what the time is it's just a thing i i'm very time orientated Connor does love his watches, I can vouch for that. In all seriousness, I love how he prepares for the smallest of details. But that's what this is all about. Like I said, CT is a competitor. We finish off by talking about that spirit driving him to do better. Another story that I do want to share uh, is when we were... I'm sorry about this, but when we were playing table tennis... It was a few weeks back and and we'd not played with each other for a while and i don't usually do this but i I was beating you consistently and it it was going dark and you did not want to go home until you beaten me what i want to just say there is when when i when i saw that i respected you so much more because that that shows the competitive spirit tell me if i'm wrong but you probably went home that evening thinking about the good times but also how you can get back and 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 make sure that you give me a a good beating next time it doesn't matter what it is um i think if you're a competitor you're a competitor in everything you do right so like i said table tennis is not my forte however i want to win yeah and i enjoy the competitiveness of when playing everything i said doesn't matter if it's you know doesn't matter if it's a sport or a quiz or a game a game of some sort you know it doesn't matter what it is i want to win i mean i'm not a bad loser like yeah it doesn't bother me if i lose okay when i say it doesn't bother me like obviously it doesn't bother me to to the stage that you know i'm thinking about it um but i just love competition really and uh, i love competing it's just a it's just enjoying it. it's enjoyment it's thrilling um and if you don't come out on top on the end hey-ho you learn from it yeah i i did want to actually pick up on that because it like that uh nicky lauder um had a similar quote when he won uh, a loris sport award he said winning is one thing but from losing i learn a lot more um and and that that kind of takes us back to where you can find those small incremental 
advantages to make the big difference. But you, you talk about good or a bad loser. I think Lewis Hamilton was asked about this and, and he said, yeah, he was talking to Thierry Henry in an interview for Sky and they were talking about it and saying, if you are a good loser, can you, can you be a winner really? I remember they were talking about it and I I also know that when I was younger I definitely took losing a lot worse like you, you talk about how uh, we don't lose sleep about it now uh, back in the day if, even if I lost on the Nintendo Wii or something like that I, I was going to bed in a bad mood and, and losing sleep over it but, but over time you learn that, that that is the moment where you need to pay the most attention but it's not necessarily a negative thing. It's it can be a huge learning point, a, a moment of growth for your your game or or your business or or whatever you're doing in life. And I think that's really important that everything can be an opportunity, even if it it doesn't work out the way that you went out there to 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 make it work. It, it can still be an opportunity so that next time you go out to to do the job you do it a lot better that's what drives innovation in sport technology and the world itself uh, is is super important especially in the world that we live in now that we do learn from mistakes and 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 grow from that uh but i just want to say thank you so much for having this conversation with me it's been incredibly insightful i concur basically yeah it's um it's just fascinating to uh see what you know different athletes different sports and how similar it is what a pleasure it was to speak to connor he loves his sport and he's always up for a chat thank you for joining me mate and thanks also to you wherever you are i hope that you're inspired to apply these lessons to your own lives you've been listening to the 10 out of 10 podcast on ajontheline.com with your host adam williams